0: Well, we've been on a series in our church, don't worry, uh, I'll repeat everything I've said over the last uh, several months. No, I won't. Uh, we've been in a series in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, and uh, the book of Luke, uh, we kind of went to the 10th chapter, and then we jumped through to the 24th chapter, and you say, why would you do that, Pastor Greg? Well, in the 9th na- and 10th t- chapter, in the 9th chapter, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles to go into the world and to uh, proclaim the kingdom of God and demonstrate the kingdom of God. In the, in the 10th chapter, he sends out 72 disciples to go and do the same. And then we jump to the book of Acts because really that's the sending of all of us. So he starts with the 12, then he goes to the 72, and now we're in the book of Acts. Acts. And we learn that God is actually sending us forward. By the way, the book of Acts is written by the same guy. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts. Luke actually wrote over 25% of the New Testament. Between those two books of the Bible... You're, you get 25% of the new testament. How many of you know you should probably pay attention to that then? Amen. And so we're we're on this this journey now into the God, or into the book of Acts. The A- book of Acts has been called the Acts of the Apostles. It's been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's been called the Acts of Jesus Christ through the church. Any and all of those titles and definitions are accurate because this is literally what the book of Acts is about. You know, we're sharing the story of the church. And guys, we need to understand that the book of Acts is essential for us because it tells the story of what's happened in the history of the church for a 30-year span. And without the book of Acts, you'd be in Jesus' life and ministry at the end of the Gospel of John. And if you cut out the book of Acts, suddenly there'd be a guy in Rome named Paul preaching the gospel to the Romans and Rome was the known capital of the world at that time and you'd be scratching your head going, how did the church get from Jerusalem to the known capital of the world, Rome? How did that, and who's this guy named Paul? We have no idea. The book of Acts answers all those questions as it walks through the 30-year history of the church. Now, one of the interesting things about the book of Acts that you need to take today is that it's one of the few epistles or in the New Testament that does not have the word amen written at the end. In other words, it's an incomplete text. It's still being written. And the book of Acts is being written about your life and about my life and about this church family. And I don't know about you, but I want there to be like a chapter on the Father's house, amen? Not like a paragraph, like there was a church named the Father's house. (laughs) Moving on, He's like, dang. No, 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 I wanna be walking and flowing with the Holy Spirit so that the book of Acts is being written through my life and your life, amen? This is God's intention and God's plan as we head into the book of Acts. Well, let's pray, ask for the Lord's help, and we're gonna start right in chapter one, and we're gonna go through chapter one today, and we're gonna see what God is inviting us into. So Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, We thank you for the incredible story of the book of Acts, Lord. The book of motion. The book of seeing action happen. Spirit of God, we need your help to understand this and how it applies to us today in the 21st century as much as it applied in the first century. And so, Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen Amen and amen. Anybody get the uh, thought that soon I'm not going to be able to get up here to preach because the power and the presence of God is about to hit the church in such a new and powerful way? I'm okay with that. I'm just saying. (laughs) Jesus is far more interesting that way than through me. Hallelujah. Let's read Acts chapter 1 He's writing to Theophilus, which means uh, lover of God. So, so it's an actual person. He's a ruler, but it can also mean you and I, lovers of God. And God is writing this book. He, same guy. He wrote the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke to. Now he's writing the book of Acts to, and he's telling him, you know, I'm, I told you in the Gospel of Luke everything that Jesus Christ began to do. How many of you know that means that Jesus is not done? he's not done. If he just began in that book, then how is he continuing on? And what we're going to find out, he's continuing on not in in, in, in himself, in his flesh, but he's continuing on in your flesh. That the body of Christ now, which we're about to partake of in a few minutes, the church is now the body, the extension of Christ, the hands, the voice, the eyes seeing, the feet spreading the good news. This is now what God is intending. He's now spreading through the body of Christ and continuing the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus' life and ministry were a demonstration, a modeling of the kingdom of God, and now he said, uh, when somebody said, I want to see Jesus, he said, well, in order to see me, I have to die so that the one seed can become many seeds, and you are those seeds and now the kingdom is now living and working through you. Jesus taught for 40 days on the kingdom of God. He's, he's instructing them, guys. You're about to be empowered. You're about to have the message that I preached. Now you're going to go and you're going to do this thing and you're going to demonstrate and model the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the kingdom of God because it's the central theme. It's that it's the it's the central revelation of the of the New Testament is the father heart of God, but the central proclamation, the Central demonstration is the kingdom of God. Jesus talked more about the kingdom than anything else. Well, what is the kingdom? We've looked at the seven aspects of the kingdom, and we're going to just bring it up on the screen again for you. It starts with being centered upon Christ, that the person, the presence, and the power of God is, is found in a relationship with God, an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we have that center in our lives, literally the other aspects of the kingdom of God, which literally are demonstrated throughout the Bible, particularly in the life of Christ and now in the life of the church in the book of acts it starts with deliverance and salvation church you know you have asked jesus to come into your life and the bible says that he has saved you he has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the son that he loves but how many of you know the work of salvation the work of deliverance is still going on in your life it's not that you're more saved it's that you're more set free because Greg Fraser still brings some junk with him and he want, God wants to deliver that, set him free from that and make him another one who helps bring that kingdom of deliverance to other people. And so we go on. Well, it's also a kingdom of peace. That's not just talking about like a, hey, how you doing, man? Peace. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about wholeness, that the life of God, the fullness of the life of God, that peace that passes understanding. When people look at you who are freaking out during COVID and all that's going on in the world and how terrible and chaotic the world is, and you have a, it's all good because God is on the throne. Amen? And uh, there are times Greg Fraser has to bring his anxiety in order to exchange it for peace. Okay, so we're getting the kingdom. We're understanding the kingdom. It's a kingdom of justice and righteousness. Hallelujah for justice. We live in an unjust world, and the church is to bring the kingdom of justice, the kingdom of rightness with God, to bring the marginalized and the the people that are unincluded, the people that are kicked out of of community, to bring them back into the communion and community of, of the kingdom of God. What a job description you and I have to bring justice. How about Joy. Amen? Joy's all right. I need joy in my life, and happiness is based on happenings, but joy is based on abiding in the presence of God no matter what is going on in my life. And it, there's sometimes some difficult things in this life, you guys. Sometimes life is really hard, but you can have a joy even in the midst of terrible trials. This is the kingdom. How about a kingdom of healing not this Monday but next Monday we're starting our series on healing on Monday nights for prayer we're going to jump into this aspect of the kingdom and pray and understand and teach a little bit about healing that healing is the bread of the children God's will for you is to walk in healing and wholeness we're going to pray into that amen so that's going to be part of what we're bringing the kingdom and lastly just community I love this one Church, you are part. <laughs> the Christian faith is a communal faith. You are part of the body of Christ. You can't pick your brothers and sisters just like in real life. Right? It's like I wouldn't pick some of you. <laughs> you probably wouldn't pick me if you had known me. You wouldn't have. And, uh, but you know what? we're with each other, and we're growing together, and this is part of the kingdom of God that you and I get to be part of, and so here's the story Jesus is bringing us in, and he's saying to the church, you guys, you're, I'm expanding my ministry. This is what Jesus is doing. He's, he says, I'm expanding my ministry, and you're, you're it. You're going to do it, but how do we do it? You know, the church throughout history, church, guys, has been incredible. You think about the incredible effect of the body of Christ throughout history. You think about social services, you think about education of the masses, you think about universities that literally were created as seminaries, and you think about just thing at line upon line, inspiration in art, medical care, culture, philosophy, uh, politics, ethics, justice, human rights, the value of life. All these things were incredibly strengthened by the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. You were part of that story. Now, we did some things wrong, too. The church did some things wrong in the name of God, but not really representing God. So we own that, right? We understand that. And we say, Lord, help us not to repeat that. And that'll make sense in a minute. But here's what Jesus says. How will the church represent Jesus and his kingdom? Let's keep reading in the book of Acts, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father that he has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." How is the church going to represent Christ on the earth and bring the kingdom of God, all these incredible things, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church? You know, that same spirit that was upon Jesus Christ, that same spirit on his baptism when the Father came down and spoke over him, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. That same spirit that filled him now is filling you and I. This is the spirit of wisdom. This is the spirit of truth, it says in Isaiah 11. The spirit will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. How many of you know we need a little more fear of the Lord in our lives? If that spirit's upon us and wants to grow that in our lives, they will delight in the fear of the Lord. They will not judge by what they see with their eyes or decide what they hear with their ears. This is Jesus, but now it's you. You're not going to judge by what you see in the physical, but you're going to have eyes that see in the spirit. And that's going to make sense as to why that's critical and important in just a moment. Because it's really the call of God. You know, Jesus knew that we could do nothing effective for the kingdom of God until the spirit of God came. And that's why he told them to wait. Wait on the spirit, you guys. And to wait means it's worth waiting for. How many want a gift from the Father? Your Father has a gift for you. And by the way, He is God. (laughs) He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills on which they stand. And He has a gift for you. Well, I'm going to wait. It's worth waiting for. It's a gift that He promises He'll give me. It's not like I wish I had a red wagon. It's like if you will just wait, I have a gift for you. But you're going to have to wait. And as we wait, that gift is starting to come. We're saying, thank you, Lord. To wait means we have to receive it. We can't create it ourselves. How many of you know that sometimes we try and do God's will our way? I'll give you some examples of that. I've done it many times. I'm just going to confess that before I confess it with a story, and the church has done that many times, you know, I was (laughs) that you just need to understand that, you know, we have to wait on the Lord, he's usually trying, you know, I think we've done this in the past where we try to help God out, we understand, we get an an understanding of his will, and then we try to help him, anybody ever done that? Okay, I'm going to tell a little story about our building committee, and this is not a telling on the building committee, it's a telling on me and all of us, okay, So we knew it was God's will for us to build a church. So what what do you do when God says you're gonna build a church? Okay, so we waited for a little while and then we said, okay, well, I guess God wants us to make a plan. So we made a plan and we we designed this beautiful building. It was this two-story gorgeous building, several million dollars, and we had the plans all done up. We're like, God, we've done the plan. Now bless it, God, we're ready. And God's like, frustration, frustration. God bless your building committee for 10 years. God frustrated them every turn. But God, we're trying to do your will. <laughs> so then we get a word from the Lord, and it says, take your provisions and go into the land. It's from the Old Testament, Joshua. So we do, we had enough money to go in the land, and we built up the land. We actually spent several hundred thousand dollars just building the land and then we had you know we should maybe we should lay the foundation but we're learning as a building committee we said let's pray about that (laughs) and the lord said no just wait so we said okay well we'll save a little bit of money and we'll wait and we'll save some more money because we have a plan lord I won't go into all the details. Then God says, yeah, your plan, let's put that aside because here's my plan. I'm going to give you a building that you're going to cut into four pieces, transport across 18 farmer's fields, add 14,000 square feet, put it back together, and then you can go. (laughs) And we said, of course, we knew all along, Lord, this was your plan. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Do you know we saved over a million dollars by doing this plan? That's a gift from the Father, wasn't it? I mean, come on. This is pretty fun. So, you know, sometimes we get in trouble. Sometimes you're going to see as we go through the book of Acts, they try and do God's will their way, and God says, ah, wait. Wait, you guys. I got something better for you. This idea of waiting on the Lord and his leadership is a common story throughout the Bible. And I'm, I've done it in my life so many times. I just I'm learning, but I'm getting there. This is what happens next. Let me read on in the book of Acts. Jesus tells them and tells them to wait, and then they get all excited because they think they know God's will. You ready for this? Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus is like, oh, it's not for you to know those times or dates set by the Father, by his own authority, but you, this is the central verse of the entire book of Acts, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, you understand that they thought they were getting excited. They said, surely now God is gonna bring the fullness of the kingdom of God and the fullness of the kingdom of God to a Jew, they understood that, that God would dwell among his people and that through the nation of Israel, he would rule the earth. And so they're like, is this the time? And Jesus is like, guys, it's not a political change that I'm making. It's making a change in the hearts and lives of people. That's right. Now, ultimately, that could make a political change, but it's a far more internal work than external. You following me, church? And so they kind of, they're getting ahead of God, and they're like, okay, well, is this what you want to do? And God's like, slow down, you guys. Now, one day the fullness of the kingdom is coming, and Jesus will rule with an iron scepter. And hallelujah, amen. Oh, what a day it will be when lawsuits will be decided in one word by Jesus. No, that's not the way. This is the way. Thank you, Lord. Done. Over. See, our job as a church is discern by the power of the Holy Spirit what God is doing, and then join him in his work. This is a subtle but powerful shift in the book of Acts. Guys, I want, if you can grasp this next thought. We have built religious understanding of how to follow God. And we say, well, God wants us to do this. And we have bracelets, and forgive me if you own one, I, I do too, that say WWJD. What would Jesus do? Seems right and innocent and good, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I think you should remove that bracelet and I think you should add one and take out if you can take it apart and and change it to WIJD what is Jesus doing see the book of Acts you guys is Jesus inviting you into partnership with him in your life in your ministry in your business in your school in your health In every aspect of your life, Jesus is moving and working and inviting you to join him. That's a far more interesting life than trying to think about what God wants me to do and then going down a direction. Are you following me? This is what the church is going to learn as they go through the book of Acts. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, in my opinion, you can disagree with me, and that's okay. If you read chapter 1, verse 12 to the end... This actually happens. So the apostles are waiting for the gift from the father and they're like, well, what do we do while we wait? What do you do while you wait? Wait. (laughs) No, they figure, okay, we gotta gotta replace Judas. (laughs) So let's replace Judas. So they come up with this elaborate thought. Well, he has to have been someone who's been with us from the beginning who saw the death, the life, Uh, The resurrection of Jesus Christ was there during all the miracles. So who are those people? They pick two guys. They come up with the names. Here's the list. They pick two guys, and they say, okay, here's the two guys. Lord, show us whom you have chosen. They cast dice, lots, to see who God picks. And the lots fall to a guy named Matthias. How many have heard of the apostle Matthias? You may have. It's the only place in the Bible he's listed is right here. Never again do we hear about Matthias now. Does that mean Matthias was a bad guy? No We're probably gonna hear his story when we get there, but I'm gonna tell you. I don't think it was God's choice They got ahead of him You following what I'm saying? They weren't being led by the spirit. They had an Old Testament paradigm still let's cast lots God will do all this They came up with this plan. Here you go. God bless it. ha. <laughs> Matthias No So that's 80 29 Okay Then all of a sudden persecution starts to break out in the church, A.D. 30 to about 35. We're not sure when in that time period, but there it is. A.D. 36, six years, seven years after they chose Matthias, all of a sudden there's this guy, a church persecutor going around rounding up Christians, taking them to jail, casting his lot against them. when. It's voted whether they should lose their lives or not. This guy's killing Christians. Are you following me? He gets knocked on his brains, his butt, sorry. And God says, Your self centered life is not what I'm interested in, Paul. I have a new plan for you. You're the one I've chosen to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul didn't see Jesus' life, Paul didn't see the death and resurrection of Jesus. He came after, but yet he's the apostle that God picks. Are you following this idea? uh, We're trying sometimes to do God's will, but we need to listen and wait and wait upon the Lord. It's not just about following a map and saying, oh, this is how we do the will of God. It's in a daily communal relationship with Christ that we are led. This is what the book of Acts is going to share with you and with me. Wasn't this Jesus' life story when he came? Isn't that how he lived? How many have ever heard of the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is like the day of rest. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And so the Jewish people developed this entire system of laws called the Sege, or the fence laws, to surround the Sabbath. Like, I'm talking hundreds of laws, you guys, categories of laws. What does it mean that you can't work? It means you can't do this much work. What does it mean that you can't travel on the Sabbath? Well, it means you can only go this many steps. And, and they would go and they would take that many steps. they say, oh my gosh, i got to get further. What do I do? I take my, my toothbrush, I put it at my friends, therefore it extends how far I can travel because my toothbrush represents my house. now, ha ha ha, I've totally fooled you, God. They come up with this elaborate scheme. Of laws, and God says, you guys have missed it completely. Now, check this out. I'm going to read this. It's not going to come up, but you can read it yourself later, John 5. So, Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus was working on the Sabbath. <laughs> the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, now, this is ridiculous. My father is always at work to this very day, even on the Sabbath. And I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill him all the more. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave him this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that even you will be amazed. Jesus was basically telling us, guys, it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. (laughs) You missed the point by creating this religious system that you could control rather than being led by God to live your lives, being led by the Holy Spirit every day of your life. Amen? Amen? The rest that God is speaking about is not a rest from I can't do anything today. It's a rest from my self-centered efforts and trusting God. That's the Sabbath rest. Read about it in Hebrews 4. We did that with the young adults this last week. It's powerful. See, Jesus is trying to teach us to join him in what he's doing. Let's keep reading in the book of Acts. Acts. Verse 9, it says 19, but it's verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven." The word for looking, it means staring intently. They're fixated on a point, And this is how it has to be. We're waiting for you to return, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, guys, no, no, no. I've left you something so that you can get to work. You're not going to see me here, but you're going to see me working here. And you're going to see me working here. And you're going to see me working out there. Are you following me? And so the angels or whoever they are, we're not sure if they were just resurrected people or if they were angels, but they say, guys, stop looking up. There's a way for you and I to look. There's a way for you and I to see. And guys, this is a powerful thought. If we can start being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives, our lives become a great adventure every day. Can I tell you just one, another story from my life where I got led by the Holy Spirit? So two years ago, after COVID, Canada's in a mess. People are freaking out. I'm in prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, a Wednesday morning, sorry, and uh, at church, and I'm praying, and I feel the Holy Spirit as your pastor saying, Greg, call the church to a 40-day fast for Canada. And, he, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm just kind of there. And, uh, and then uh, the day, Pentecost Day, start on the day of Pentecost, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to look at next week, chapter 2. And so I'm like, okay, so guess what I do? I count from the day of Pentecost, I just counted 40 days, because I felt the Lord saying a 40-day fast. And I count, and f- the 40th day was Canada Day. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> I'm in prayer meeting, and they're all like, what is going on? He's, Greg, Pastor Greg's freaking out. You guys, this is incredible! God is calling us to fast and pray and call Canada to prayer. So, Literally, <laughs> your staff is unbelievable because I, I had like an FCA conference coming up in two weeks, or three weeks maybe, maybe two weeks. I think it was 14 days. I said, guys, can we create a, a prayer platform that invites the entire nation into prayer with us in a matter of like 20 days? And they crazily said yes. And Pastor Tyler built this incredible website and our team built this a way to sign up and to sign on to prayer. Church, listen, we had over 100 churches join us from across Canada. Thousands of people joined us in prayer for the nation of Canada, thousands. Wow, so exciting. I'm telling you guys, that was a hearing God, following God moment, so excited. We just saw fruit, 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 incredible. What a powerful encounter. Next, the next year, guess what I did? Time for another 40 days of prayer. Surely this is God's will. I couldn't even get you guys to join me in prayer. Never mind another church. <laughs> was like it was like the most humbling thing in the world. We're like, I God, we have a plan. Bless it. How many of you know the way God worked last week is not the way he's gonna work this week? It's a living relationship, you guys. We might do another 40 day stand, we called it the 40 day stand for Canada. But God's gonna have to lead it. Amen? Okay, okay, so you're you're with me. I'm telling my sins. I'm confessing my sins. Hallelujah. I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus. How many know you cannot get fixated at one point in your life and think you know how God works? Because if you're going to follow God, He is moving all the time, He is acting, He is doing the acts of the kingdom. And you and I need to join Him where He is. And so I'm going to give you four ways in which we, and I, we have to look. You know, there's two ways of seeing as you look in four different directions. There's one look that gives life and one look that kills. But these four different directions, you are looking at all the time. So here's the, fourth, the first of the four directions. Ready for this? You need to look up. Now, we just did it today. Let me give you, use the example from today you are looking up in worship. Now, I don't know why we look up because God's all around us and everywhere, but we do, we just look up. We, for some reason, we direct our attention up because God's bigger and higher and he's in the heavens. So we think that must be that direction. And that's okay. I'm just telling you, we look up. And the, the, what I'm trying to tell you is that there's two ways to look up. You can look up and say, man, God, I am here to meet with you. God, I am here to worship you. God, I love you. God, I don't, I don't care and I literally don't. I actually do not care what songs they sing. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can find Jesus in any one of them. Amen? Now, I could also approach worship from now looking from my perspective and saying, I hate this song. Stupid song. Why is he trying to get us to go to the altar? Just keep singing. What's your problem? Duh. How many know? How many know you missed a moment of seeing God? Okay. Now that's the first look is to look up. That God is moving all the time. You come to the house of God. You come to be instructed. You come to see God. The most important thing is that you see God and, and you leave this place having been impacted by his presence. And then he says, now look across. Look across is the second look. You see, look across, you see the body of Christ. Now you can you can again you can see that from two different perspectives. Why is that guy here? I don't even like that guy. That guy ripped me off in business, and he doesn't he repent. What is she wearing? <sighs> Dang, it's not even saved and barely saved. You can wear that. How <laughs> You know that's not how you look across. Amen. You can look across at the body of Christ and say, Father, who do you have me to encourage today? Father, who needs to be lifted up in love today? God, let me smile at the right person today. God, let me just go into that person and say, how are you doing today? God, let me hear your voice. What do you want me to do? Man, you can come to church, and it's like a, it's like a buffet of the kingdom of God laid out before you. You can love and look across at people and fulfill one of the hundred and, or 95 one another's in the Bible. Sorry, it's, 50, it's 56. 56 one another. Evangelists always add more plus three, and then that's what they do. So it's 56 one another's in the New Testament. That means love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. You know, there's so many one another's you can do. Come to church and just live the one another's. You're looking across. You're looking up. You're looking across. You see Jesus. Are you following me? It's not that you're looking across to see you. You're looking across to see what Jesus is up to because you're joining him. And then you look in. This one you need to pay attention on. Looking in. What's Jesus doing in you right now? Because I'm going to tell you, for some of you, you look in and you're fixated on how broken you are. You're fixated on, I'm such a loser Christian. You're fixated on you can't fix yourself. Any, don't have to raise your hand, but anybody else ever do that? You're like a naval fuzz inspector. You're like, what is this? Ah! Ah! Okay, there's a picture I want you to remember. What am I looking at? <laughs> okay. Okay. You need to look in church and see what God is doing and then join him in his work. You can't deliver yourself. You can't fix yourself, but you can give that up to God and say, God, I agree with you. That's called repentance, Now let's finish the job that you started, Lord. Make me a kinder person. Make me more like Jesus, God. Deal with this stuff. Thank you, Lord, that you're working on me. I love it when God convicts me of sin. Why? I can't fix it. I'm like, wow, God, this is so true. Just ask Betty. She'll tell you, Lord. I'm so glad you're working on this part of my life right now. How many of that changes every, the way I look at you and the way you look at me? And then we look out. That's the fourth look. We're looking up, we're looking across, we're looking in, and now we're looking out. Church, when you leave this place, my dream one day is I want to write on the other side of that wall that says, you enter to worship. And on this side of the wall, I want to write, you leave to serve. Whew. In other words, I know. Why? Because now I, I, I've been I've been recentered again. I'm back at church. I've been recentered on Christ. I've been filled up with His Holy Spirit. I got a job to do when I go out. It's not oh my job sucks. Ugh. Ugh, I hate my job. What? Just live in the kingdom of God in your job. There's nothing more exciting, you guys. You God has an adventure for you at work. God has people he wants you to love and to bless and encourage. Guys, I'm telling you, if you will just ask God, what are you doing? Where are you working? Every day you can have an encounter with him. I love it. Guys, you know how many people I pray for in malls and grocery stores and hospitals and hockey games? It doesn't matter. If you will ask God, what are you doing right now, Lord? Lord. You'll be shocked how many times God's like, I have that sister right there that I need you to pray for. So I, it's not that I'm a pastor, guys. It's that I'm part of the kingdom of God. And so I say to that lady in the line, I say, this may be really weird. And if I'm off, forgive me. But are you doing okay? I'm a, I'm a Christian. I just really felt that you're not doing that great. Can I pray for you? You know, I've only, I've done that hundreds of times, my wife will tell you. I've only had one person say no to me. I've had huge bikers weeping. Why, because it's not me, it's Jesus. I remember Mrs. Christensen in the mall. I had no money, I was in Bible college. I bought flowers for my wife, Betty. And I bought them from like IGA, so they were like $4 flowers, you know what I'm saying? Like they might make it till I get home flowers, like I'm hoping. You know, this is like I spent every part, I was either coffee or Betty gets flowers. Betty got flowers that day. I'm in the mall and I'm sitting there and Mrs. Christensen comes and sits next to me and I think to myself, I'm going to witness to Mrs. Christensen. I start telling her about Jesus and she was the crustiest mean old bird you'd ever met in your life. <laughs> Nothing I said to her would matter. nobody loves me, and I don't believe in a loving God. And she was just like, she had like a smoker's voice. You know, it was like, like, I just want you to get a picture of Mrs. Christensen. Are you following me? (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, I'm trying everything. I tried every angle. God loves you. God's for you. I get out. I said, well, I got to go, Mrs. Christensen. As I get up to leave, the Holy Spirit says, give her the flowers and tell her I love her. I said, Satan, get behind me. These are my wife's flowers. (laughs) I I thought it, but I didn't say it. No. I said, okay, Lord. I said, Mrs. Christensen, Jesus just wants you to know that he really loves you and he told me to give you these flowers. She burst into tears. And right there, in the mall, in the food court, I get to pray with Mrs. Christensen that there's a God who loves her. How many of you know, my wife didn't care about the flowers, but boy, she cared about hearing about the story about Mrs. Christensen. Guys, this is the great adventure. This is the book of Acts. God is moving. God is moving. God is moving. By the way, in your church right now, We have four values celebrate, accept, receive, and engage. Do you know that those four values are based on four looks? Celebrate. Look up. Amen? Look up. Center your life on Jesus Christ, celebrating Jesus Christ in every area of your life. Look across accepting yourself and one another as you pursue maturity together. Look in, receive God's grace daily in order to live this kingdom life and look out, engage this world by teaching others to care. That's your four values. That's what you hear. God is calling you in your life, guys, to start seeing God, not just seeing from this world's perspective, not seeing what the world is looking at, but seeing what God is looking at and joining him in his work amen church this is what God's calling you to do this is what he's inviting you into hallelujah as we go through the book of Acts the band's going to come back you're going to see the church looking up (laughs) you're going to hear about the mission of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit you're going to you're going to encounter the fear of god you're going to encounter the constancy and dependency that the church had on god you're going to see the church looking across like never before the unity of the church the service of the church the focus of the church the care of the church the church living in the one another's the church utterly dependent upon god that's what you're gonna see when you look across. You're gonna look in and you're gonna see that they have set times of prayer, that they watch and they wait on the God. They're not into introspection, church. They're only into look to go. You know, one of the great sins of the church is that we're centripetal. Centripetal means we're looking in, we're looking in, and so many churches are looking in. Oh, we gotta build our church better. We gotta look, take care of ourselves. Look in, look in. But we are actually meant to be centrifugal look out. Amen? You only look in to be empowered to look out. That's it. That's what God wants for us, church. You know, you stop worrying so much about yourself when you realize God has a plan and a purpose for you to help others. That's good stuff. This is the heart of God, you guys. That's what God wants to do. We're going to see that, the looking out, the sharing of the story. Even when they're persecuted, it's just like throwing water on an oil fire and it just spreads. Represents our lives. Thanks for joining us. For more of our messages and information on our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. Have a great week.